Okay, you guys can come on up here. I want to uh, introduce you to, uh, to folks here, and then they're going to be reading scripture for us today. So Elmer came to our church this last fall in September. Yeah, great. Right? And here was the thing. When he first came in the doors and he was met and welcomed by people and they got to know him and they, and they found out that he was a student yeah. at the college. And so they said, oh, well, you should come, you know, we have young adults tonight. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> and then, uh, I don't know how long, it was maybe like a month later that we, we found out that, that you were older than... It's just a week. Just, just yeah. a little, little bit older than... Uh, than young adult age, yeah. right? And that uh, Elmer actually uh, is married and, and has a couple kids, and, and he came first, and then your family came later. Yeah, uh, they arrived last uh, Christmas. Okay. Yeah, exactly the Christmas day. Okay, yeah. so where is your, your home, and where, like, where have you come from? Oh yeah, uh, we are from the Philippines, but uh, before coming to Canada, we are staying in Singapore for 15 years. 15 years. Me and my wife are working there, and our children are also with us in Singapore. Okay, and so are your kids in, in the audience here today? Uh, are they, yeah. Are they gone? Somewhere there. They're waving. Yeah. They're, waving. They're, we, they're actually... We have, uh, uh, two, we have three children, okay. but uh, our eldest son is not with us here in Canada. They're in, she's in the, he's in the Philippines. Okay. He's uh, finishing his studies there, and then hopefully he will join us here if he wants. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now, we have two daughters who are... You better say their names because they're... Really it's uh, Ayesha and uh, Zoe. So they're living there together with our friends. <laughs> okay. Now, one thing that I've, I've learned about... Uh, well, I don't know if it's all Filipino people as a whole, but your people in particular all seem to have nicknames. Oh yeah, <laughs> is that is that a big thing? Like, because I I have asked people their names and I get like two or three different varieties yeah. of things. So how does that work? How do you keep uh, it straight? It's not 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 everyone has a nickname, but okay. uh, mostly of us have two two first names. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so uh, some call the the person in the first first name or some some call the second 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 name. Okay. Does yeah. Jamie have a nickname? Uh, Jamie has a nickname back in her home. Okay. <laughs> she didn't. She didn't know this was coming. You don't have. You yeah. don't have to answer that. Yeah. I was just. They, they called her China. Okay. Yeah, and I was called Aye, Aye, like a short for Almer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. See, this is this is hard hard to keep things all all straight here. But um, I, I know that uh, you. I seem to think that you are a little bit of like the. Um, what's the word? Um, I was going to say mastermind, but not the mastermind. <laughs> like the, the linchpin of, of a lot of people. Like the what's that? The recruiter. The recruiter. That's, no. that's a better word than mastermind. Um, but you, just see, you seem to always be, be bringing more people and, and you met people. And, and you've met people here in Lethbridge that attended the same church that you did in Singapore, but you yeah. didn't know them, but you yeah. met them here. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, back in Singapore, our church is, uh, we are, we are keep on, we're quite, we're leading actually a live group back in Singapore, me okay. and my wife, okay. with, with our core teams there, Isa and Jerome, okay. and uh, our church is an evangelical church, so we really reach out to the people, and uh, I think that is why God maybe brought us here, because we want, God wants us to continue to uh, reach out to people, to Filipino here in 
Canada, hopefully yeah. in, uh, in Ledbridge. So yeah, that, that's been a part of our lives, reaching out to people and yeah, sharing the good news to them. So whenever we meet Filipino friends we, and they're looking for a church, uh, we ask them to try and join, try and see College Drive. Yeah, we, we love where, that. That's pretty good, hey? <laughs> yeah, this is where... <clears throat> College Drive has welcomed me uh, wholeheartedly, and uh, I know that uh, you will do the same to, oh, fellow, yeah. to my fellow Filipino friends. Yeah. Now, some of uh, you're, you're looking to establish permanent residency here, uh, yeah, yeah. right? And that's, uh, that's a challenge. Yes. Right? That's hard. Uh, so you need to find work and people that will support you in that, right? Yeah. So yeah. how's that been going? Uh, we have one friend here who was just invited for permanent residency. Okay. Uh, Tin, Tin and uh, Emmanuel. Okay. They were invited already, so it is an answered prayer. Uh, every one of us now has uh, part-time jobs, and those who have uh, work, who are holding an open work permit have their uh, full-time jobs as well. So we're just praying that uh, in the time that they can apply for residency, we pray, in, uh, we pray that uh, God will bless them, favor them for the approval of the residency. Right. And so, as I, <clears throat> I mentioned, you're in school. Yep. And so, what is, what is your, your program that you're oh, taking? Oh, I'm taking interior design, and Sherry is my, yeah. Sherry is my Sherry, chair. Sherry's been getting a lot of love lately. <laughs> and right? Abby's my classmate somewhere yeah. here. Yeah. You, you have a few classmates. That's yeah. great. Yeah, we have one friend also uh, from Guatemala who's also interior design, who joins the church as well, Ingrid. Yeah, that's right. Oh, she's here? Oh, there. Frank and Ingrid. She, oh, Ingrid's, Ingrid's here. there, yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, we, we love this, and we love um, the opportunity to get to know you more. Yep. <clears throat> now, I was, I was practicing something in Tagalog, Tagalog. <laughs> um, and I forgot my phone, so, um, but <clears throat> I was going to, I was learning how to say, he is risen. Yeah. And so, um, I heard this, and this is what Google told me, it was... Um, got so quiet. Um, <clears throat> Shia Buma. Shia Nabuhay. Muling Nabuhay. Muling Nabuhay. Yeah. No. <laughs> Google didn't, it didn't sound that good yeah. um, in that way. Okay, so say that, say that nice and loud again and maybe we could all try it. Okay, yeah. Muling Nabuhay si Jesus. Muling Nabuhay si Jesus or Jesus has risen. Yeah. Muling nabuhay si Jesus. Melina? Muling nabuhay. Muling nabuhay si Jesus. Okay. Um, where's, where's Matt? Matt Thiessen. Okay, Matt, Matt. Can, you, can you say it back there just so that we feel like we've participated? Because I know Matt's, uh, Matt knows Tagalog. Okay. See, that was, that was representing all of us. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. Okay, well, again, just a welcome to all of you and to your friends to this church, and I hope that you will, as a church, get to know them and, uh, and know their names and their nicknames, if that uh, comes to you. And so they're going to read uh, today's scripture for us, and so Jamie's going to read in Tagalog, and then uh, Elmer's going to read it in English to follow, okay? Okay. So our verse today is um, Luke 24, verse 1 to 12. It says in Tagalog, Muling nabuhay si Jesus. 
Madaling araw ng linggo, pumunta ang mga babae sa libingan dala ang mga pabangong inihanda nila. Nang dumating sila sa libingan, nakita nilang naalis na ang batong nakatakip sa pintuan ng libingan. Kaya pumasok sila sa loob pero hindi nila nakita ang bangkay ng Panginoong Hesus. Habang naguguluhan hanan sila sa pangyayari, bigla silang nakakita ng dalawang lalaking nakakasilaw ang damit at nakatayo sa tabi nila. At dahil sa takot, napayuko sila sa lupa, tinanong sila ng mga lalaki bakit ninyo hinahanap ang buhay dito sa mga patay. Wala na siya rito, nabuhay siyang muli. Hindi ba sinabi niya sa inyo noong nasa Galilea pa siya na ang anak ng tao ay kailangang ibigay sa masamang tao at ipako sa krus pero mabubuhay siyang muli sa ikatlong araw. At naalala ng mga babae ang mga sinabi ni Yesus. Kaya umuwi sila at ibinalita ang lahat ng ito sa labing isang apostol at sa iba pa nilang kasamahan. Ang mga babaeng ito ay sina Maria na taga mag na, na Maria na taga Magdala, Juana, Maria na ina ni Santiago at iba pang mga babaeng kasama nila. Sinabi nila sa mga apostol ang nakita nila, pero hindi naniniwala ang mga apostol dahil akala nila ay gawa-gawa lamang iyon ng mga babae. Ganun pa man, Tumakbo si Pedro at pumunta sa libingan. Pagdating niya roon, sumilip siya sa loob pero wala siyang nakita, kundi ang telang linen na ipinambalot sa bangkay. Kaya't umuwi siyang nagtataka sa pangyayari. Nice. Jesus risen from the dead. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, The woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in, cl in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the man said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, They told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the woman, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, He saw the strips of linen lying, lying by themselves. And he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Thank you. 
Well, that was, that was awesome. Um, it takes us back a little bit as we were uh, maybe thinking back to Christmas when we had during our, our Advent uh, candle readings that uh, we had different people from different backgrounds and had the mother tongues uh, sharing scriptures. And that's just a, such a beautiful, uh, beautiful picture of the church in all different languages. <clears throat> Apparently, my computer shut down. So that'll take a second. Oh, there we go. <clears throat> this uh, series that we are in today is uh, not quite the end. Uh, we are, we're going to take it a little bit farther in the next couple of um, of weeks, what did I do? I just closed things out. One second, talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> okay. Apparently it doesn't want to do that. You are talking amongst yourselves, that's good. Come on. Keeps closing. We'll get there. Either that or I'm just going to wing it. All right. Good. There we go. Sorry. You good? Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. <clears throat> All right. Now, where they left off in this scripture reading was it was kind of this place of wonder. They had gone to the tomb and they had seen that it was empty and the, the women, they went back and they told the disciples and Peter ran in there and it's, he was like scratching his head. He's like, what has happened? We read on and we read in, in a, another gospel account in Matthew chapter 28. It says, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy and they ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Today, as we talk about in this series, Once Upon a Savior, we're, we've been talking about a, a, this story, this narrative, and again, not, not a fairy tale, not a, not a myth or legend. It is the true historical account, and it's something that, that changes our life because it's the truth. It's God's word to us, and the beauty of it all, seeing that Jesus as the Son of God and what he went through for us, this is a story that we continue to, to tell, to share. Now, of course, this isn't just an Easter Sunday story. Uh, we, we proclaim this all year long, that Jesus is alive. But today, on this day, it's just sort of a, a very clear reminder and, and the purpose of it all just comes to a higher light today. But we're talking about witnesses today, the witness. We've been talking about different characters in this story. Today we're going to look at, at the idea of what is, a, what is a witness. And a witness is something or someone that gives testimony or gives, gives evidence. You perhaps have been called to, to be a witness in something or you've, you've seen on a, a signpost somewhere that said, you know, there was an accident that happened and a witness is needed. Someone needs to tell or share what happened that they saw. And so those of, 
the people that actually were part of this this time in the life of Jesus and went through everything and what they saw, what they wrote down is what we have before us today. Now, as we're, we're going to talk about the, the resurrection witnesses in a second, but I think it's important to, as a, sort of the layout, the foundation of this, is that there was pre-resurrection witnesses about Jesus. And so I'll give these to you rel- relatively quickly here. But the first one I think is a pretty important one, and that's actually the witness of God himself, the triune God. Now we, we hold to the, the belief, the, the strong belief that God is triune, that he is three in one, three persons, but one God. It's a mystery, it's hard to understand, but we see that throughout scripture that there is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and each of those persons of the Trinity give witness about Jesus. And so this is the, the first is the witness of God, the Father. John 8 verse 18 says, Jesus says, the Father who sent me bears witness about me. Jesus, God the Son, also bore witness to himself. He said, if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going. Third is the witness of God the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus promised to send when he returned to heaven. He said this, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all bear witness, give testimony about Jesus. Then we have the witness of Scripture. Now next week when we're in Mexico and you're, you're here and Russ is going to be speaking, uh, carrying on, talking about the two disciples on the, the road to Emmaus who encounter the resurrected Jesus. And so I'm not going to, you know, steal his thunder too much on that one. But in that, Jesus says to them, beginning with Moses and the prophet, prophets, this is their testimony, they said, beginning with Moses and the prophet, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So Jesus points to the scriptures as saying, they bear witness to who he is. Then there's the witness of John the Baptist. He was the forerunner of the Christ. And John 1.34, he says, I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God, John the Baptist, a witness. And fourthly, the witness of the disciples. We'll get into that a little bit more, but... It says in John 15, 27, Jesus says to his disciples, you also, you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Who better to be witnesses of things, to say, this is, this is what Jesus said. This is what Jesus did. They were with him for those three years. They've been with him since the beginning. So they can tell who he is and what he did. So those were witnesses before the resurrection. Now, today, priority, talking about post-resurrection witnesses of Jesus, that they saw him alive. Now, a couple quick observations, first of all, that I probably hadn't thought about too much until I was studying this. First of all, is this, that the actual resurrection was not witnessed. Nobody actually saw Jesus come to life. 
And, and that's, it's kind of mysterious because you'd think, well, wouldn't that have been a show? Right? Wouldn't that have been something that would have just blown people's minds? They would have just seen it. But he was in the tomb, wrapped in, in grave clothes. And he came to life. But nobody, nobody saw that. Nobody witnessed that. Out of all the miracles that Jesus did, you know, healing the blind and the lame, and even raising a little girl back to life, calling Lazarus out of the tomb, those things, but people saw that. They witnessed it. But yet the greatest event in all of history, nobody saw. Secondly, the resurrected Jesus revealed himself to just a faithful few. See, I, I have trouble sometimes getting my mind around that because I think, well, wouldn't that be kind of a big deal? Like that he could have just shown up and just like, wow, right in front of all the soldiers. You know, in front of Pilate, in front of the Jewish leaders, in front of everyone in Jerusalem and Passover, like, I'm alive. It would have just like, whoa. Wouldn't that have been, that's, that's in our minds, that would have been the way to have big fanfare, you know, live video streaming in 4K or whatever the biggest thing is right now. Streaming worldwide, everybody to see. Our way would probably have been to see Jesus come right in front of everybody and say, see fools? You couldn't keep me down. And yet, he revealed himself to just a faithful few. So why? I, you know, just some, some thoughts that I, I had on this and, and some other people a little smarter than me uh, that wrote down, you know, why, why was it that there was just this, this few witnesses? Why not everybody? Why not all the Jews? Why not those who crucified him? Well, if we look back and we see sort of the track record of those who witnessed these miracles and things, where did that bring them? Hmm. Didn't necessarily move them. You know, they saw Lazarus alive. Didn't move them. In fact, as we heard last week, what do they want to do? They want to kill Lazarus. Silence him. They saw thousands of people fed with just a few loaves and fishes, didn't move them. They'd seen miracles, unexplained, and yet they were unmoved. See, here's, here's an important thing to realize, is that the gospel of Jesus lands in, in fertile soil, never on the hard-hearted. Now, we can pray and God softens hearts, but, but this is the way... That we are as people, when we see something and it's, it's amazing and we're like, how? And we can't get our minds around it. What do we do with that? We try to rationalize it. We, we spin things with logic and we try to explain things away or we just are hard to the things of God. If Jesus revealed himself resurrected to, to many of, of such hard-hearted condition, it would have just been simply another miracle to explain away. Ah, he didn't really die. And isn't it just like God, how he does things contrary to the way we would do things? He does things differently. He chooses a man that was slow of speech to speak to Pharaoh to let his people go. He chooses a young shepherd boy with a slingshot to take down a giant and become a king. He chooses a young betrothed couple to parent the son of God. 
He chooses uneducated fishermen, a hated tax collector, a couple of hotheads, a doubter, and even a betrayer to be his disciples. And so, even with the greatest event in the history of mankind, the resurrection of Jesus, when you know it, God does it his way. The door to understanding God and relationship with him is never by 100% proof. Now there's articles, there's books, there's smart people that can give you evidences for the resurrection. But God always calls us to believe. We always enter relationship with God through faith. At the same time, he didn't leave himself without witness. And so that's where we're going to get to now. So here are some things that are the witnesses of the resurrection. First of all, the witness of the stone, the grave clothes, and the empty tomb. Now, inanimate things, for sure. But they were the first signs that something, something wild happened here. Luke chapter 24 that was read, Peter went away wondering what happened. This massive stone was rolled away. Matthew's gospel tells us in 28 verse 2 that an angel of the Lord moved the stone with a violent earthquake that caused the guards to become like dead men. Just went catatonic. I don't know what that means exactly. I don't think they were killed, but it just, they just were like, whatever happened, they became like dead men. <laughs> then Peter ran into the tomb after he heard from the women, and there was no body. There was just linen strips. The grave clothes still wrapped. John 20 verse 7 says, they were still lying in its place, separated from the linen. This, this face, this wrapping around his face was just lying there in its place. The body had just come out of the clothes. Resurrected. And so the stone, the grave clothes, and the empty tomb, they, they give witness. Maybe didn't tell all the details, but there's something that happened here. The witness of the angelic messengers is next. Luke 24, verse 5. They say, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. That was their testimony. And there's the witness of the chosen messengers. I want to invite you, if you have your Bible, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 to 7. This is a, a key text for the church. This was a, probably an early church creed that the church would say together. This was their beliefs, their statement of faith. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 7. This is the Apostle Paul. He says this. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, or Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. 
Now listen, church, this continues to be our creed. That Christ died. That he was buried. And this is an important truth, that he was buried. Being buried speaks of a corpse, someone that has physically died. And so this alerts us to the reality that Jesus rose from the dead physically, bodily. And that speaks of our future resurrection as well. He was raised and he was witnessed. So those, those four key truths are so important for us as a church to keep preaching, to keep proclaiming that he died, he was buried, he was raised, and he was witnessed. So who saw him? Who, who was this, uh, this group of chosen messengers, this few people that saw Jesus alive? First of all, there's the unlikely. Now, it doesn't say this in, in the text that we just read in 1 Corinthians. Uh, but we realize, and we read this in all of the Gospels, it was the women, right? The women who saw the empty tomb, who met the resurrected Christ first. And so they were the unlikely. You know, women in the first century, you've probably heard this before, first century Palestine, women were not counted on as reliable witnesses. Nothing they said could be legally binding. And so what does this say to us? Well, I think it's, it's a good point to, to make saying, you know, if you want to make up a story with an incredulous claim of someone being resurrected, you wouldn't use women at the time unless it was true. Something you would only do if you were more concerned with truth than embarrassment. Now, that doesn't seem, in our culture, that kind of stings because we see something that a, that a woman says, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter. But in first century Palestine, that was, that was just something that wouldn't be done. And yet their testimony throughout the Gospels rings clear that it was true, that they had met Jesus alive a soul like God to do that. Matthew 28 says, The women went out to do a faithful service of anointing Jesus' body for burial. It was a task that they had been unable to do because of the Sabbath. And verse 8 and 28, chapter 28 says, They hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. They witnessed and they told. Next is the shameful. The Apostle Paul says this, he talks about Cephas or, or Peter, another name for Peter. And we had just heard this a little while ago, that Peter had denied Christ three times before the rooster crowed. And, and when that happened, it says that he, his eyes locked in with Jesus. And there was shame, there was embarrassment, there was everything that Peter said he would never do, he did. And so still in this moment, he was probably overwhelmed with that, that shame and grief of what he had done in letting down Jesus. And yet, very clearly, the Apostle Paul says that the resurrected Jesus appeared to Peter. There's a scared. There's a scared. It says that he appeared to the 12. Now, you might say, well, is that kind of, where was Judas? Judas wasn't in the picture, so there wasn't 12, there was 11. But I think the 12 was kind of like their, you know, their gang name. I don't know. Um, you know, just, it was, just, that's the 12. It was the followers of Jesus were the 12. Um, you know, it was, that was who they were, the, the disciples of Jesus, although Judas was not there. 
But they scattered at the, res- at the crucifixion. They were, they were hiding. John 20 verse 19 says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. They witnessed him alive. Then there was the 500. This is what Paul says. He says there was, he appeared to 500 people at the same time. Now after he was resurrected, Jesus was with his followers for 40 days before he ascended into heaven. And Paul says over 500 people witnessed him. And he says this, he says many are still alive. So at the time of his writing, a time that this would have been passed on to the churches, there would have been some of these people that actually had been a part of that. And he's, so basically, what do you do? Some of them are still alive. You could go and talk to them, find them, talk to them. What did you see? What did you hear? What did you witness? But it says also that some have fallen asleep. And this is a picture throughout the New Testament uh, when we talk about someone that has, has died in the faith, in the Lord. It's like they have fallen asleep. And this is where it goes back to Jesus when there was a little girl, Jairus' daughter, and, and she was sick and they, they called for Jesus to come, but, but he got distracted, you know, he got um, interrupted. By the time he came there, it seemed to them that this little girl had died, 12-year-old girl. And what does Jesus do? He says, she's not dead. She's just asleep. And they're like, uh, yeah, you're, you're, we know the signs of someone that's died. They're breathing. Heart's beating. And he goes over to this little girl. And he says, Talitha kum. Little one, wake up. And she wakes up. Jesus brings her back to life. And from then on, it's like, that's what happens in the resurrection. Not dead. Asleep. Can you imagine with me people of faith, children of God, believers in Jesus, in those moments that maybe you think these are your last breaths on this earth, that Jesus would come to you and say, little one, wake up. Wake up. Be resurrected. And Jesus appeared to the unbelieving. He appeared to James, the half-brother of Jesus. Very clear that Paul points out that it was James. And if you go back to our series that we just went through a little while ago in the book of James, we talked about this, the half-brother of Jesus, who didn't believe in Jesus, right? Through, through all of his childhood, teenage years, and into, you know, when he, all of a sudden he started his ministry, and he started doing, like, crazy stuff and, and talking, what are you talking about, Jesus? And they were embarrassed. And it talks about how, how his mother and his, his other brothers, they, they go and they're, they're going to seize him, like, take control of their, you know, this guy, because he's just lost it. They didn't believe. They didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God until the resurrection, and he met James. 
And then James became a leader in the early church and and he wrote the book, as we've said, with his name on it in the Bible. Lastly, the Apostle Paul says, you know, the persecutor himself. He speaks of himself. The Lord appeared to him on the road to Damascus as he was heading there uh, to persecute Christians. You can read this in Acts chapter 9. The resurrected Lord appears to him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And there's a conversion, complete transformation of, of Saul, of his whole life. So in the course of a week, he went from killing Christians to preaching that Jesus was the Son of God in the synagogues. So these were the chosen messengers, the few. Now, that testimony, of course, spread. It took root in the early church, and they received the Holy Spirit, we read in Acts, and then everything broke loose through persecution, and they scattered. And that's how you and I today have heard about the resurrected Lord. These are some of the witnesses, the statements in Acts that talk about this, what they saw. Acts 1 verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts 2.32, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Acts 3.15, you killed the author of life, But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. In Acts 5.32, we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Over and over again. We're witnesses of this. This is what we have seen and heard. And in 1 John, the Apostle John, he writes this right at the beginning of his book. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. They heard Jesus. They looked upon him. They saw his miracles. They saw what he did. And they proclaim it. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, what we witnessed, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Speaking a little bit of spoiler alert here for, for uh, the, the coming series, we're going to be looking at First John. Uh, so heads up on that one, but there's a little, uh, little taste of it. John says, right from the beginning, this is what we saw. This is what we heard. And we didn't keep that to ourselves. We're proclaiming it to you. Now listen, God didn't leave himself without witness. And yet he entrusted the good news of the resurrection to a faithful few who would tell the world. And it obviously worked. It's come to us. So the first step, the first thing is, how do you respond to this? How do you come to the realization of what we've heard today? Do you believe these witnesses? Have you come to a place where you have maybe enough evidence, maybe you need more? And I would encourage you, study, read. If, if you really want to know, start to study and grow and learn. But that will always only be part of your response to God because it's always by faith. You take what you, what you know, you take what you've heard and what you've seen and what others that are reliable witnesses, and then you put your trust in it or you don't. 
As we said last week, you, there's those that reject it or neglect it. Or the other side is to worship and follow. And so that comes to you today. Will you believe these witnesses? And the other side of it is, is if you put yourself in, you, in the account, in the side of those who say, yes, I believe it. And I am a follower of Jesus. Then also there is a mantle that's placed on each of us to bear witness. To tell others. And I, and I love what Jamie and, and Elmer said. You know, as far as that's, that's what they, that's all you know as part of the church. This is just what we, what we do. This is, this is like breathing, you know, to us. Sorry, I put words in your mouth, but that's how I read it. It's just normal to do, this is our life as a, as a follower of Jesus, and that includes just telling other people what we've seen, what we've heard, what we know. Today's resurrection, resurrection day. So what? Here's where we close. This is a reminder that Jesus is alive. Today, because Jesus is alive, this is what it says to you and to me. That we can have eternal life and be resurrected one day. We have a living hope. I encourage you even in this day today or throughout this week, read through 1 Corinthians 15 as, as the Apostle Paul carries on from here and says, this is all, this is what difference it makes that Jesus has been resurrected. But for us today, that means that because he is alive, we too can have life. We can be resurrected one day. And that's good news for us. Another thing that's just a beautiful fruit of that is realizing this today, as our thoughts maybe go to those who have gone before us and have fallen asleep. And those that have fallen asleep in the Lord They've trusted Jesus, and they're not with us physically now, but we say, you know what? They've fallen asleep, and one day, Jesus himself will say to them, awake. We'll see them again. That is a great hope. And finally, as we look around our world and we see that sin continues to wreak havoc, and we wonder, what do we do with that? What hope do we have because of the resurrection? We say this, is that sin no longer has dominion. Christ has won. And this changes our perspective and everything in the world. And so I'll end with this. This is a quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones, famous English preacher. And I'll pray. This morning, as I look over this evil, sinful world, it does not depress me. Because I expect from it nothing better. Whatever may be going against me, whatever may be happening in my own body, this is what I must expect because of sin. But though I die, I shall rise again. I shall see him face to face. I shall see him as he is and I shall be like him. Like him in a body glorified with every power renewed. And I shall be living in a realm that is incorruptible and undefiled, a realm that can never fade away. Let's pray. Jesus, the, the reality, the fact of your resurrection changes everything for us. 
And I pray today for those that are here, and maybe there's questions, maybe there's, uh, they're still kind of in that wondering, even as Peter left the empty tomb and wondered what had happened. Maybe there's, there's not a clear answer yet. Lord, I pray that you would open eyes today to see you, to look to you in, in faith, maybe just a simple step of saying, God, I, I want to know, I want to believe, I want to trust you. And that that step would, would direct uh, the course of this day, even as we continue to sing these songs and recognize the power of God that's just been so clearly demonstrated in raising Jesus from the dead. And Lord, I pray too for, for those of us that maybe have found ourselves discouraged in our Christian life. Maybe it's kind of dry, things have kind of gone cold. I pray today that there would be a stirring in our hearts, that we would, there would be a, a, a gentle waking even now while we're still breathing, but there is still that you'd say, awaken, come to life. Because Jesus, all hope is ours. Because you are alive. Amen.